today's story is NWO0000018, submitted to me by Matt Craker. The following written passage originated as the content of a Facebook post, posted on the evening of October 13th, 2013. On a related note, this was the same day that Miles Stolheen and Brian Mund, two 15-year-olds from the small town of Blue Ash, Ohio, suddenly vanished, along with the mother and father of each of the two, as well as two Blue Ash locals last reported to have been hiking in the city's wooded areas. The Facebook account responsible for the post was named NWO000018. Records show the account's previous existence, but even the most trained of computer professionals have been unable to recover the account or the post. However, screenshots of the entire post were uploaded the following day to an Instagram account with the same username. Although this account soon disappeared as well, law enforcement was able to recover these posts. Eyewitnesses of the original Facebook post Cincinnati resident Joseph Dallendine, the only known eyewitness, reported that the Instagram post matched the content of the original post. It should be noted that Dallendine went missing the day after he made this formal statement to the police. This was the content of the post. M loved to go on Instagram. It was by far his favorite out of all the social media options out there nowadays. With over 5,000 pictures and videos, he craved likes more than anything else. Are you going to get off your phone and battle me anytime soon? Complained M's best friend B, holding an airsoft rifle. It took me forever to haul this shit over. The two were at the Dirt Hills a large abandoned remote dig site sandwiched between an endless countryside of farm fields and the city's wooded areas. This was their absolute favorite hanging spot, and the airsoft had become an after-school regular activity there. It was the perfect place for such a pastime, as the large hills of dirt spread out as far as the eye could see could be utilized as cover, and made the entire area appear as a sort of Call of Duty map. Your eyes are glued to that thing, bro. It must be something good. It was true. M was preoccupied with the abundant supply of notifications he was getting, to say the least. And another, and another, and another, whispered M. What are you going on about over there? Asked B. NWO000018. Ever heard of it? Can't say that I have. We've seen bots, B. The fake girls on Kick, the conversations that inevitably leave to click on this link to my webcam. This isn't like that. Who does this? M wasn't scared, just perplexed. And there was just enough amusement left in his soul at this point to chuckle at whatever he was looking at. No pictures, no followers, not even a profile pic. Whoever this NWO 0000018 is has been, one by one, liking their way through all 5,030 of my posts. 
B laughed. Wait, what? B went over to look at his friend's phone. It wasn't a lie. Like, the second hand on a clock? The likes were coming in on a quick and constant basis. B assumed it was some sort of scam account. M was indifferent at this point. It was time to pump his friend full of plastic projectiles. Later that night, M laid in his bed observing the mass list of notifications that had come to B on his Instagram. In mid-fascination, he got one more. NWO000018 had liked his most recent picture. Him and B at the Dirt Hills taken a few hours earlier. Airsoft rifles in both of their hands. Youthful smiles of joy defining their faces. Only a moment after this notification, another one came. This one was from Facebook Messenger. The message simply read, Hey. M's eyes fixed on the account name. And who could have guessed it? NWO 0000018. M replied with, Hey, as well. His admirer, or stalker, or whoever this was, replied with, Check this awesome website out. A bit later, a link appeared in the thread. It consisted of dozens of random numbers, but no official website hyperlink of any kind. Curious? M clicked on the link, not even thinking of the matter. M's phone immediately turned black, and it made a scratching sound, quite similar to that of a CD-ROM loading. Eventually, a strange screen appeared. First of all, there were no headers, no website address, just a locked, full screen. Half of the phone screen was the famous blue error screen, and the other half was different. It consisted of yellow numerical codes with a black background. These codes kept scrolling downwards by themselves quite quickly. Every once in a while, a website link would appear in larger-sized font in the middle of the screen and then disappear. Each time this happened, the words New World Order would be somewhere in the link. What the fuck? M said out loud. Annoyance was still the limit of emotion as of now. If there was fear, it was only at the potential malware he had just loaded onto his new iPhone. The next thing that happened, however, really freaked him out. He finally noticed the tiny CIA logo at the top left corner of his screen. Okay, what the fuck is this? The racing thoughts of, I shouldn't be on this, I shouldn't be on this, filled M's head. Nothing at all could be done to leave the screen. The home button didn't do anything, and he couldn't power the phone off, even through the backup method. Soon enough, though, the phone turned to black again. It would not turn back on no matter what M tried. M was shook up, and confused more than anything else. Confused if he should be more scared. Confused about what the status of his phone actually was. What was on it? What that meant? Of course, he was confused about what to tell his parents as well. Did hundreds of their dollars just go up in flames? He had encountered his parents several times that evening. Each word M spoke carried anxiety with him. Anxiety that they would detect distress in his tone and ask him if something was wrong. M 
kept the event to himself that night. It didn't help things that his phone still wouldn't turn on the next morning. M settled on not trying again until after school, then considered the possibility of approaching his parents. It started as a completely normal school day. B lived too far away to walk to school with M, so the only time M typically interacted with B, before lunch, was when he walked past his psychology class on the way to his gym class. It was a weird tradition that only the two understood. M would make faces or yell an inappropriate word loudly, all in the efforts to make B laugh for the one second span of time he spent walking past the room. Today, M was horrified at what he saw in psychology class. Indeed, B was in there. But it wasn't the B that he had ever seen. The B looked like he was already dead. Never had he seen another human being look so worn down, so drained, so exhausted, so devastatingly miserable looking. He could practically see the bags under his eyes from the hallway. M waited for his friend to turn his head his way, but he never did. It wasn't just that. It was as if he was intent on not turning his way. Like, he knew his friend was there, but refused to acknowledge him. M just stood there for a while. At some point, M's mindset switched from waiting for acknowledgement to just being really sad about how his best friend looked. B didn't show up for lunch that day. M asked multiple friends where he might be, but they had no idea. B always waited for M by the school flagpole after school, so M shifted his hope to finally interacting with his friend then. B, indeed, showed up by the flagpole a few hours later. He came sprinting up to M, hysterically crying. Dude, what's the matter? B kept crying concerningly hard. He gave M a long, long hug. The entire time, no one spoke, and the only sound was the sobbing. M eventually tried to get the conversation going again. What's... what's wrong, dude? B eventually found himself capable of speaking. Nothing. It's really nothing. Listen. Just please listen. I hid my stuff under the fort at the Dirt Hills. Can we just please go play airsoft? Sure. Sure, man. Whatever you want. An awkward hike ensued all the way to the dirt hills. Aggressive crying was now replaced with sniffling and hard, nervous breathing. It seemed to get harder the closer they got to their destination. Upon arriving at the dirt hills, B started crying harder than he ever had up to this point, and M almost fainted at what he saw. Taking up a large portion of the flat, dirt ground... It was a very poorly drawn helipad circle-sized CIA logo. This, it wasn't nearly the scariest part. The logo was splattered with blood and four naked bodies, each holding spray paint cans. They lay dead in the middle of their artwork. Suddenly, two men came down from one of the large dirt mounds and approached M and B. M stood still, frozen in fear, and B now had his hands in his face, what was this emotional anticipation of his? 
The two men were very skinny and wore black suits and had sunglasses. One of them grabbed M and held his hands back while the other grabbed B and began to drag him to the large CIA logo. Both of the boys desperately struggled, but with no results. For such skinny people, they were unbelievably strong. B screamed no over and over and over and over again at the top of his lungs. The suited man tightly tied B's hands together, and then his feet together with a wire of some sort, and pushed him over into the area of the circle, where he only had the ability to flop around a bit, but not make it too far. The man proceeded to drag the four bodies out from the circle, but not before B noticed something about them. Whatever it was, M could make up the look of horror on his face. The man then picked up a bucket from behind one of the dirt mounds and began to pour its liquid contents onto B. Suddenly, B went silent. Completely silent. All that came next was the lighting of a match and then the dropping of it. It can't exactly be put into words what was going through M's mind at this point. What would be going through your mind? Your friend burning alive in front of you? No way of getting out of a situation you know is going to end just as bad for you? Consider all of that. And then, on top of it, the fact that M was just standing there, being held hostage, watching what was happening in complete, confusing silence. The only new addition to the situation came to M's eyes in the far west corner of the dirt hills, probably half a mile out. M could barely make out what looked like a few more suited men, quite similar looking, staring at him, completely still. After about 25 minutes of burning, the man laid a blanket over B's corpse and put out the fire. B was now black and charred, and the man kicked his body out of the logo. The man holding M walked him over to the logo and tied him up in the same fashion. There, he laid on the cold, hard ground. M screamed significantly louder than B. Before his screen of life went to black, he made out two final details. The first was the man who burned B, walking up to his burning body. He took a computer flash drive out of his suit pocket and threw it into the fire with him. The second was a detail about the four corpses with the cans of spray paint. He was able to identify them as B's mom and dad and his own mom and dad. As a final note, the Dirt Hills area referenced in this post was successfully located, and evidence of a recent fire was indeed found, but no body remnants or even DNA of any kind could be identified. A month after the disappearance of Miles and Brian, an anonymous tip was left in the form of a phone call about a website of Dutch origins. The... Anonymous person claimed that, in an effort of finding information about the case, they had stumbled across a strange, poorly designed website entirely in the Dutch language, but that had a few references to the phrase NWO000018. 
as well as photographs of the Dirt Hills area from the 1800s, and photographs of skinny, suited men. The man claimed the website was taken down shortly after he accessed it, and that he didn't have a chance to try to translate it to English. No further developments have been made. The aforementioned missing Blue Ash locals from the wooded area, if they are indeed connected, and if this post was indeed a true event, could, in theory, have been in the wrong place at the wrong time that day in October, and may have accidentally stumbled across the wrong people. So that was once again NWO 0000018, submitted to me directly by Matt Craker. Thank you, Matt, for submitting that to me and for writing this story. This story has a title so unique that if you Google it, you will get zero results. That's a rarity. Thank you. Definitely an interesting one. Um, kind of pulling into the whole dark web style of story, which I love, obviously. Dark web true stories and dark web horror stories are always a good time, in my opinion. Always a fantastic read and always creepy as hell. So, thank you, Matt, again. <laughs> if you have a story you want to submit to me, as Matt did, there's a link down in the description. It says something like, do you have a scary story you want to send, submit to me, send my way, something like that? I don't know. There's a link down, where, down there. It's a Red X page. Red X is an amazing application made by the gentleman known as Stories After Midnight. Good guy. Good friend, good narrator. Anyway, if you guys enjoyed this and want more like this, please consider joining the Nevermore. To do so, all you gotta do is hit that subscribe button and the bell icon next to it. That makes you part of the Nevermore. You can also support the Nevermore by following me on any of my social media platforms, visiting my website, asthereavendreams.com, or supporting the channel through Patreon or Coffee. All this optional, all of it greatly appreciated. I just ran out of breath while I was saying that. Holy crap. Anyway, I hope you all have a beautiful day, and I hope I'll see you tomorrow, you know, for the next video, because you know there will be one. Anyway, I'll see y'all later. Have a good one, much love, and sleep well.